Sunday night, when you hear that sound, you hear that theme song, you know what it is. It's Sunday night, man. We're going inside HBCU football. I'm your host, BJ Jones. Tonight, got a few things to talk about. Um, this has been a long season. It's been an interesting season. It's been an interesting season on each level. Um, and finally, man, we are in the last week of the season. Celebration Bowl week. You know, this thing started in the A, and it ends in the A. You know, we started this thing uh, months ago, uh, the week before the MEAC SWAC Challenge. And I brought the first uh, show to you guys, and we were previewing all corn in North Carolina Central. Seemed like it was just yesterday. And, man, time flies when you have having fun. I can't lie, man. I've had fun this season. Uh, I've had fun with you guys, and uh, now we get with the Celebration Bowl. Uh, Jackson State coming out of the Southwestern Athletic Conference uh, with a record of 11-1. and one. Uh, School record, 11 wins on the year. Shout out to the Tigers of Jackson State. Uh, they will be representing the Southwestern Athletic Conference uh, in the Celebration Bowl. And the MEAC champion. The South Carolina State Bulldogs. And they come in with a overall record of six and five, five and oh in the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference. Buddy Pugh makes his celebration bowl debut. Finally, uh, the win is coach in South Carolina State football history, uh, passing Willie Jeffries uh, a few years ago. Uh, he makes his debut in the celebration bowl. Interesting comments by one Buddy Pugh. Uh, this week at the Celebration Bowl press conference that we will talk about uh, in the, what I call the second quarter uh, of the show tonight. But uh, South Carolina State, it wasn't pretty. Uh, it was not uh, – people doubted them at times, but they made it. They are here in the Celebration Bowl, and what a time to be here in the city of Atlanta, Georgia, uh, with the buzz for this game, um, it's 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 here. Uh, tickets are hard to come by, and you have one Deion Sanders on the other side. One side you got Buddy Pugh, uh, mainstay at South Carolina State. Uh, we know what he means to that program. But on, in the other corner, the blue corner, with the blue trunks, you have one Deion Sanders. Uh, this is a gentleman that started his career right here in the city of Atlanta, uh, drafted by the Atlanta Falcons, uh, played for the Atlanta Braves, uh, played in the World Series uh, for the Atlanta Braves. Um, he is beloved in this town, uh, and I got a chance to uh, ask Deion Sanders about this during the press conference uh, uh, after the SWAT championship game. He, he talked about that this this town means a lot to him. Uh, and it's it's uh, almost, man, poetry in motion that you would write the start of his professional athletic career. Started right here in Atlanta, Georgia. And the start of his coaching career, really uh, culminating here in Atlanta, Georgia. So uh, it is very, very uh, very special times for not only the city of Atlanta and Deion Sanders, uh, but I'm really looking forward to this celebration bowl. Um, 
We're going to break down the matchup in the second quarter uh, of the show. I'm going to break this thing up into four quarters. You are in the first quarter right now. Uh, we're going to break down the uh, look at this matchup. You know, Jackson State, South Carolina State. A lot of people look at this matchup and go, huh, okay, we'll just crown Jackson State and move uh, forward. Uh, South Carolina State, been talking to a few South Carolina State uh, alums. Uh, shout out to my man, Doug Stewart. Uh, I'm trying to get him on, man. Unfortunately, we weren't able to. Well, shout out to my man, Doug Stewart. Uh, you guys know him in one half of the world-renowned Two Live Stews. Uh, South Carolina State graduate, uh, bleed South Carolina State. Uh, he talked about it uh, yesterday with me. He was saying, hey, man, people are just pretty much counting South Carolina State out of this. Um, you know, it's almost like Jackson State, this is going to be the coronation of Jackson State, and South Carolina State is just there because someone had to be there. Um, and there was also, you know, a lot of chatter, a lot of talk about uh, the MEAC and, and the strength or the lack of strength, uh, particularly uh, this year. Uh, so I think for South Carolina State, there's a lot riding on this ball game. Um, of course, you want to go out, you want to win the Celebration Bowl, you want to uh, put your, your best foot forward uh, for your program. Uh, but I think that there's a lot of conference pride uh, riding on this for the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference. Uh, the MEAC did get the win in the MEAC SWAC Challenge. You saw North Carolina Central upset of Alcorn State. Uh, but since then, man, the, the, the MEAC has had a, a rough year. Um, and when you go in, you look at the records, the overall records, uh, nothing really looks uh, impressive. Um, and the, the MEAC versus SWAC uh, record this year isn't what it's accustomed to being. You know, for uh, about a decade, almost two decades, the MEAC has dominated the matchup. Uh, we start looking at SWAC versus MEAC uh, games, not just the Celebration Bowl, but non-conference MEAC SWAC, uh, MEAC SWAC challenge. The MEAC has had the upper hand. You saw that change um, a little bit uh, this year. South Carolina State, uh, did face off against uh, Alabama a and to start off the season. Uh, lost that ball game by a score 41-42. And a game that could have went either way. Uh, that was week one. Um, and that game could have went either way. Uh, you saw also South, South Carolina State jumped out to a big lead uh, against Bethune-Cookman. Uh, Bethune-Cookman trimmed that lead down. Uh, South Carolina State actually led that ball game uh, 42-7. Um, and then had to help hold on for dear life uh, to uh, win that ball game by a score of 42 and 35. And then you saw South Carolina State go to Tallahassee uh, and was taken to the woodshed uh, 30 to 7 uh, by the Rattlers of Florida AM. Uh, so, you know, South Carolina State 1 and 2 versus SWAC opponents uh, on the year. Um, they did not fare well in the non-conference. They got to throw in that loss to North Carolina A&T, uh, that 31-21 loss to North Carolina A&T, a game in which they led um, and pretty much controlled the first half um, of that ball game. Uh, this has not been a typical South Carolina State uh, year, but they found their way to Atlanta, Georgia. And so you got to give the Bulldogs a lot of credit uh, for that. Um, joining me right now, my man, A.D. Drew, 
So how do you feel about this matchup? We're, gonna, we're not going to get too much into it. We're going to wait till after the break uh, Break we got coming up, and we'll really get into it in the second quarter of the show. But just naked eye. It's not looking at any numbers. How are you feeling about this matchup coming up on Saturday with South Carolina State uh, and Jackson State in the Celebration Bowl? Everybody got to remember, both of these teams come into this contest undefeated in their conference. South Carolina State going 5-0 in the BAC. Jackson State going 8-0, well, 9-0 if you count the SWAC championship game in the SWAC. So let's not discount South Carolina State. Yes, Jackson State is the prohibitive favorite. The line has opened up at 11.5 over under is 41 for this particular game. But South Carolina State does have a puncher's chance in this particular game. You know, like I say, without getting getting too deep into it, there are things South Carolina State can do to win this game. There are things South Carolina State does well that plays into Jackson State's weaknesses. But Jackson State, uh, 2-0 coming off of bye weeks, correct me if wrong, they're either 2-0 or 3-0 coming off of bye weeks. So Jackson State, given that extra week to prepare, has done wonders. But what does a South Carolina State look like with a month to prepare? And Buddy Pugh said it in his uh, press conference. He Originally, he was preparing for both teams. Then after about two, three days, he's like, oh, the hell with it. We're going to be playing Jackson State. And he and he was right. So, you know, that's respect. He he just knew Jackson State was going to win that game and started probably putting his game plan probably three, four, five days earlier than a normal BIAC opponent would have put their game plan in. Will that make the difference? Will the opportunity for these players to get healthy? make the difference it it has in the past for these MEAC teams mm-hmm. so we, we'll leave it at that and, and when you look at the celebration bowl we've been been blessed out, outside of 2019 uh where where North Carolina A&T uh got the horses running against Alcorn and and almost ran them out of the building uh, every one of these celebration bowls have been close uh, they, they've been decided by position or less. Um, I, 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 I want to cut you off on that. That 2019, even though Alcorn won that, I mean, uh, A&T won that by 21 points or so, that was, a, that was a good ball game. That was a good competitive ball game. Alcorn just had those, those two, three in a row that Alcorn couldn't come back for. But for a fan, whatever, you get 100 points in a football game, I don't care. What the scoring differential is, that's a great ball game for the fans. That's a defense coordinator, I cringe. Oh, yes. Yes, you you, you definitely <laughs> you definitely cringe. I mean, it's like uh, Steph Curry getting hot from three. You know, Jermaine Martin got hot when he got that ball, I believe. What was that, late third quarter when he uh, broke off? Like two, early third quarter. Early third, third quarter. Right I have, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he broke off two, three long runs in a row to uh, pretty much uh, see the game. But you remember, Alcorn came back and made a run in the fourth quarter themselves. It was just too but too little too late at that point in time, you know. Mm-hmm. So, but it, it, it was a great game to watch, except if you're a defensive player. 
or a defensive coordinator like he was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but look, man, but look, even with that, that that margin, that that's not what we we've seen typically in this game. We we've seen close uh, ball games. The first North Carolina A and T uh, Alcorn matched up back in uh, twenty uh, fifteen. Uh, you know, that was a close ball game. You had the the twenty um, sixteen ten to nine uh, ball game with uh, Grambling and North Carolina Central. Um, and then Grambling and A&T coming back the next year, another ball, close ball game. Uh, these ball games are typically close. And I'm, I'm hoping, I think for, for South Carolina State, you're hoping that that repeats itself this weekend. All right. And, and we'll, we'll get into why, why we hope that this is a close uh, ball game on the other side uh, of the break because we just hit that 15-minute mark. So, man, that's the end of the first quarter, man. We're going to take it to break. And on the other side, we're going to talk about why it's important that this ball game is close on Saturday and why it's important that we get a, a great showing from the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference. Uh, keep it locked, and we'll be right back right here. We're going inside HBCU football with your man B.J. Jones. And I got my man A.D. Drew with me tonight. So, man, we'll catch y'all on the other side. Keep it locked. We'll be right back. Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. Nope. Nope. Come on, him. Ooh, I like him. The Quicker Picker Upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the Quicker Picker Upper. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCUPrideJoy on Facebook and Twitter. All right, man, we are back, man. Welcome to the second quarter. Tonight we're going inside HBCU football. Really, man, picking up talking about this Celebration Bowl matchup coming up this weekend, Jackson State, uh, faced off against South Carolina State. Uh, A.D. Drew, as you know, I do a, a Spaces on uh, Tuesday night on Twitter. Um, if you're on Twitter, follow me um, at Inside HBCU Football. And, and this has been a reoccurring thing. Um... I think a lot of people are discounting the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference. Um, I think when you look at the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference, you look at uh, the top teams in that conference, whether it's North Carolina Central uh, that, that took a loss to Mississippi Valley earlier this year, 
South Carolina State, uh, we saw that their win-loss record against the Southwestern Athletic Conference uh, this year. A lot of people have been asking, does the MEAC maintain its automatic bid if the league doesn't improve and it stays the way that it is or perhaps maybe gets worse? Uh, that's been a legitimate question that, that people have been asking. Um, you know, kind of what happens with the MEAC? What's the the overall health or strength uh, of the MEAC? So that's another reason I said, hey, you know, to kind of get people at ease, South Carolina State needs a good showing uh, to show people that may not pay that close attention um, in SWAT country and in and, and, and the Deep South. And that's a good bat, some ball, some good ball played in the MEAC. Uh, how do you feel about that one, A.D.? This is cyclical, B.J. Last year, we could have said the same thing about the SWAT. Who had the SWAT beaten outside the HBCU sphere? SWAC had beat anybody in FCS for, what, three years, three, four years uh, prior to this year? So you could have made that same argument about the SWAC. Why is the BAC? playing the swag with the BAC has dominated every celebration bowl and every BAC swag challenge it seems like for the for the last decade and obviously celebration bowl is only five years old but for the one BAC and BAC swag challenges I think are about uh I think it's about an eight to two clip if I've if I've got the number right and I'm just going off the top of my head. So you could have yeah. made that same argument until this year about the swag. So everybody just need to relax and let this go through the cycle, let this go through the trend. Because I guarantee you, if South Carolina State wins, everybody's going to be like, yeah, the swag is a, is a dog and pony show. They 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 all glad, they all glitch, but when somebody hit them in the mouth, they can't win the big game. That's exactly what everybody will say if South Carolina State wins this game. And if Jackson State wins, you're going to get the I told you so. We knew Jackson State was going to win. They had the better team, blah, 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 blah. So it's cyclical. Wherever you're sitting at as a fan, that's what you're going to believe. There's nothing that B.J. Jones can tell you that's going to make you change your mind. There's nothing A.D. Drew can tell you or anybody else here at the BCSN can tell you that's going to make you change your mind. But, yes, I do want a good competitive ball game. I mean, I, I think that – we need it. Um, I think we need. I think a lot of people. I'm, I'm be honest with you, AD True. When we were coming down the stretch, I was getting kind of worried because, um, like, hey, I need South Carolina State to win this last ball game against Norfolk to be above 500. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it, it's a difficult sale. I mean, it, it's a difficult sale now, even with them being six to five. Uh, but it, it would be a more of a difficult sale to see a five and six team in the bowl game. Um. Facing off against an, an eleven and eleven and one, uh, you know that that'll be a that that's a struggle to get anybody interested outside of the people from Jackson State, which they can fill the bowl by themselves. Uh, we, we keeping it a, a book, um, but I, I think that that, that would have been a difficult sale, and, and I found myself rooting for South Carolina State. Uh, well, I originally was rooting for Norfolk because I felt like, hey, Norfolk starting off with that six and two star. Norfolk, if they, if they had handled business against Delaware State, if they had handled business against North Carolina Central, if they had handled business against South Carolina State, 
Now we're looking at a nine-win Norfolk coming into this thing, uh, coming to this ball game. And I think you get more hype with a nine-win Norfolk uh, as opposed to a, uh, you know, six-win South Carolina State. So I, I remember, you know, as we were coming down the stretch, rooting for the, the team with the best overall record to get in there. Because I felt like we needed the hype. You know, we needed the hype. We need something to kind of uh, drum up uh, some attention and everything for this matchup. And boom, we got South Carolina State at six and five. And it's kind of like, oh, South Carolina State is just there. Uh, but I, Buddy Pugh with time is dangerous. Exactly. Now, you talk about Norfolk State. Would the hype have been around Norfolk State? Or would the hype have been around Dawson Odoms? getting back to challenge a SWAC opponent and the fact that he could not get there at Southern. What would have what would have been more of the hype for this game when you, if Norfolk State makes it into the game, PJ? I think the, the most hype would have been around about one Dawson Odoms. You think, I mean, especially coming off the season that Southern had uh, this year, uh, the post-Dawson Odoms renaissance, uh, if you will. Um, you know, Dawson Odoms, you know, leaving Southern, going to, to, to Norfolk. Couldn't get over that Alcorn hump to, to make it to Atlanta. Uh, and if he would have gotten here, uh, particularly with the eight or nine wins, oh, it would have been a lot of talk. There would have been some storylines in this game. It would have been Deion Sanders returning to, to Atlanta, Georgia. And finally, Norfolk uh, coach, uh, you know, uh, Coach Odoms makes it to, to Atlanta. And he didn't have to deal with Alcorn to get there. <laughs> um, and there would have been a lot of fingers pointing towards the two two five area code down in South Baton Rouge, going "Aha, told you so." Right now, now, now the other thing is though, from an attendance point of view, the best representative for the BAC would have to be South Carolina State. Absolutely. Say, say what you want about South Carolina State, but they have a very good fan base. South Carolina State fan base does travel. I, I, I'm a witness of that uh, being a Florida A&M uh, alumnus. having seen they'll come down to Tallahassee on many occasions and consider it's about four, four and a half hour drive from Atlanta to Orangeburg. So it's a very drivable distance for that South Carolina state fan base to get to Atlanta. They've got a fair amount of alumni, just like every school has a fair amount of alumni in the Atlanta Metro. So this it was outside of a Florida A&M getting to Atlanta, Jackson State, South Carolina State is probably number one and probably a Florida A&M, South Carolina State would probably be the number two as far as attendance if you're the celebration bowl uh the celebration bowl people of the of the matchups that you really wanted to see there in Atlanta. Yeah, I mean I think with you know South Carolina State, I think that fan base is um I think a lot of people underestimate that fan base. I remember going um to see FAMU in South Carolina State in Orangeburg in 08. And I remember there was not a seat anywhere. Um I mean, they were they were packed to the rafters, and then you, you saw it again in 09, South Carolina State coming to Tallahassee, um, and, and, and the uh, contingency that South Carolina State brought down to Tallahassee. And this fan base has a knack for traveling. Um, I, 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 they're definitely going to be there. I've you know, talked to, like, mentioned my boy, Doug Stewart, uh, who is a part of Atlanta chapter 
uh, South Carolina State alumni group. They they are coming to Atlanta. Uh, they sold out of their allotment too. Um, people don't 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 forget that part. They sold out of their allotment. <laughs> don't think age. That's not Jackson yeah. State. <laughs> yeah. So they're going to be here, but I think it's very important for them to get impressed. I think it's important for them to be impressive in this ball game and get a positive showing because I think that reflects not only well on South Carolina State, but the MEAC as well. And gives the MEAC some kind of momentum going into the football offseason. And the question is still going to be swirling around the Middle Eastern Athletic Conference, and it, as it always be. Do you lose more teams or you gain more? Uh, you know, is the league really solid? I, I think, you know, that's been the biggest question. Is the, re- is the league really solid? Uh, because, you know, you've heard rumblings of the Colonial Athletic Association uh, looking to expand and, and, and Howard and have to be in the point of that. And there's just so much out there right now. And I, I think until uh, you see them bring in some more teams, I think that that's going to be a question uh, as far as how stable is the Mideastern Athletic Conference. How stable is the Big East Athletic Conference? How stable is anybody in FCS outside of the SWAC and possibly the Big Sky? <laughs> I mean, let's let's, let's get real. Everybody, mm-hmm. every conference in FCS is in havoc right now. Probably outside of those two conferences, there, uh, BJ. Yeah, yeah. I think you know the SWAC and the, and the, and the Big Sky kind of been. Sitting back looking at everybody else kind of scramble. I think the Missouri Valley is is currently it is stable right now. Um, you did hear some rumblings about Youngstown possibly looking at the OVC. Um, I didn't, uh, you know, out of the Missouri Valley, I didn't realize that Youngstown was so far away from the rest of the Missouri Valley um, and, until it was brought up on you know one of the FCS message boards. Yeah. But you know, the Missouri Valley, Big Sky, and Swack, but everybody else has been scrambling. Yeah. Um, so and a lot of these teams are not not going to other FCS conferences. A lot of these teams with everything that's going on on the FBS level are receiving that invite because you just can't decide I want to move up to FBS. You have to get an invite. invite to move up to FBS. And some of the, the, the James Madisons, the Sam Houston's and, play, and people like that are getting those invites to move up for financial reasons. And when they move up and move out of these conferences, now, you know, it's it's not like there are an abundance of FCS independents out there. They 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 scrambling to try to pull, try to get that minimum six to keep their mm-hmm. automatic bid going. And you don't see you don't see these division twos knocking at the door saying, "Hey, let us move up to FCS," because these schools are division two for a reason. <laughs> they yeah, don't have the fin- they don't have the financial resources. They don't have the facilities. They don't have the uh, scholarships. What for whatever reason it may be, they're not clamoring. You know, you don't hear a Virginia State, a Bowie State, a Kentucky State, an Albany State, even though they have the size, population wise, suit body wise, to be at the FCS level. You don't hear them talking about it. Uh, so much, you know, because it's it's a lot more than what the average fan, and you know this because you've been you've been a part of this, BJ. It's a lot more than what the fan thinks. Just because you got eight thousand students in your school doesn't mean that you have the wherewithal to move up to the next level. Right, right, and and, and it, it, it's some cost associated with that, and it ain't cheap. 
no. um, to be able to do that. You know, you got to fund more sports, which means you got to give more scholarships. Like that thing called Title Nine is out there. Boy, 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 administration because you have mm-hmm. to have uh you have to have more compliance officers uh, uh another sports information director uh th- th- there are so many more administrative positions that you have to have in addition to finding the money for for the scholarships exactly man we're about to cut it man we're about to go to halftime get done with the second quarter man we're right here the man in the middle uh, right here at the, the, the middle of the hour. Man, when we come back, man, we'll break down this celebration bowl matchup, Jackson State, South Carolina State. And we'll get a little some, some, some coaching hires. And some <laughs> coaches on the move. Some coaches in some new places. We'll talk about all that on the other side. We're going to the third quarter, man. Keep it locked. You're right here with BJ Jones and AD Drew. And we're going inside HBCU football. Sugar Chateau Desserts is a specialty bakery located in the Charlotte, North Carolina metro area. We will create delicious and one-of-a-kind treats for any occasion. Sugar Chateau is currently shipping cakes in a jar, offering a variety of different flavors in a single-serve container that can help you celebrate in accordance with social distancing. Place your orders today by calling 803-526-7895 or visiting SugarChateauDesserts.com. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival. This is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together we can be the change. Man, we are back, man. We are back. We are back. I got my man AD Drew with me, man. About to jump right into this matchup this weekend here in Atlanta, Georgia, the Mercedes Benz uh, Stadium. Jackson State is going to face off against South Carolina State. Noon kickoff. That game will be available for you on ABC. Make sure if you're not able to get down here to the ATL that you tune in. That ABC, man, that's a that's a big platform, AD Drew. Uh, some big for it. Yes, it is. And, 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 you know, the attendance here at the Celebration Bowl will probably be the largest attendance for any bowl game till we get to the uh, New Year's Six Bowls and the uh, playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's going to be impressive. If you, and, and the SWAC has had momentum this year. You start looking at um, attendance uh, this year, SWAC championship over 50,000. Uh, it, it ran up there with the Power Five championship games. Outdrew all of the G5 championship games. Uh, impressive numbers by the Southwestern Athletic Conference. Yes, definitely did. Definitely did. Uh, matter of fact, I, I've got it right here. They were – the ACC was the – no, not the ACC. The Pac-12 drew 56,000. SWAC drew 50,000. Mm-hmm. 
And, and, and I think that momentum is just continuing to grow for the conference. You saw in the Bayou Classic, two teams that ended the season four to seven. Very uncharacteristic. First time in a long time that that game did not have championship implications. Two interim coaches in that ball game, and you're still able to draw over 55,000 people uh, to the New Orleans Superdome. So I think the SWAC definitely um, has something special going on. We got to ride this wave and keep the momentum going. Well, let's talk about this ball game. Let's get into Jackson it. State, Jackson State, 11 and a half point favorite. I ain't a betting man. But if I, I would, I. I take the points. Yeah, I take the points and under. Points and under. I would. I would take both of them. Um, I'm trying to find and and looking at the numbers. I'm trying to find a path to victory for the Bulldogs of South Carolina State. I, I'm having a hard time finding one. I, I, I'm 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 gonna give you. The, I'm gonna give you what's gonna have to happen. Number one. Let's look turnovers. South Carolina State will have to turn Jackson State over in order for them to in order for them to win this game. They don't need they those don't necessarily need to be pick sixes or things like that, but they're gonna have to turn the ball, turn Jackson State over and give their offense a short field Mm -hmm. because Jackson State does not give up points. They're going to have to get an extra possession or two in order to win this ball game. That's the first thing that I look at, BJ. Uh, I'll let you respond to that before I get out to, to the next thing that I'm going to look at. I think for South Carolina State, it, it, you have to get it done defensively. And you, like I said, you have to force, tar- force turnovers. Look, Corey Fields. He's been okay, okay, but that that forty nine point four completion percentage that doesn't spell that spell to me that you can drive the ball down the field against Jackson State with that. And um, I, I I I think that they're going to have to have some short fields uh, to be able to score some points. Um, I do think that Kendrell Flowers will have to play a big part of this ball game. The young man that running back. Uh, for South Carolina State, uh, either you're going to have offensively, you, you're going to have to get the big play, but I don't see anybody just driving the ball on Jackson State. So there's only one team that's been able to do that all year, and that was Southern University. Uh, and, and and you know, I, it's, it's, it's hard. I think that South Carolina State has to turn the ball over. Jacoby Durant in that defense uh, has to make sure – you know, they say lock on, locked on those receivers on the back end. Then on the front end, um, uh, Jablowski Green, defensive tackle, that defensive line, they have to make it heal on Shadour Sanders. And what you can't do against Jackson State is allow Shadour Sanders to come out of the pocket and beat you because this young man has a knack on a third and long. If it's third and eight, to scramble and pick up 10 or 12. And that's when you have everyone covered. There's no one there. And he finds a way to do it. And you can't allow that to happen. So I expect for them to put maybe a spy on him, maybe use uh, Chad Gilchrist, um, uh, the linebacker there, all-conference me at guy, um, almost as a spy. But you got to be able to do that. And you have to turn them over, and you can't turn it over. Because if you give Jackson State a short field, they almost convert 
uh, they convert pretty well off of turnovers and turn those turnovers into points. Yes, I agree. Next thing that I'm going to look at, BJ, is going to be penalties. Uh, South Carolina State is penalized for 61 yards per game. The opponent's 59 yards, 59.4 yards per game. So pretty even uh, when, when it comes when it comes to penalties. But Jackson State, if there's something that you might be able to take an advantage of Jackson State on, they average almost 73 yards per game in penalties versus their opponents only at 46. So if there is something that South Carolina State can take advantage of are those penalties of Jackson State. Now, all penalties aren't the same, BJ. You and I both know that. But what about those penalties on third down? Those are going to be the things that Jackson State cannot cannot have to give South Carolina State an opportunity to stay in this game. Because if you've got it offside trying, because we know that Jackson State pass rush, but if you got somebody jumping offside trying to get to that quarterback on a th- on a third or four, now you just picked up five first down, uh, or a pass interference or something like that on a penalty that sustains a drive to give Jack excuse give South Carolina State the opportunity to extend a possession. That's going to be the next thing that I'm going to look at. That's another path that South Carolina State can, can possibly win. And let's be real. I think this is going to be a close competitive ball game. I'm, like you say, take the under. So in that under, all you need is that one extra possession that could make the difference between a turnover or an uh, inopportune penalty could be the difference, BJ. I think with this one, I look at what South Carolina State did against Florida AM and I, I, what Isaiah Land did to that South Carolina State offensive line. Uh, where he and Corey Fields got very, very familiar. Uh, a little bit more familiar with each other than Mr. Fields would have liked, okay? Um, Jackson State got a guy on the other side of the, uh, of the football named James Houston that has been all everything, all world. He, he, he's, he's another Isaiah Land type player. He can get after the quarterback. Uh, one of the nation's leaders when you start talking about sacks and tackles for loss. If they're not able to get to James Houston and Corey Fields sees James Houston a little bit too much, it's going to be a long day. I'm looking at it. I think that this game will be close in the first half. I think that, you know, just the emotion and everything, I think that it'll it'll kind of go like how the Jackson State preview game went or uh, Jackson State and Alabama State. You see how, you know, teams hang with, 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 with Jackson State in the first half. And then the third quarter is where they really blow it open. I think that this game falls. I I don't see South Carolina State scoring a lot of points um, here. Um, I I just don't see it. Um, The South Carolina State offense uh, averages 24.6 points per game. Uh, Defensively, Brayside, they only give up um, 15.6 points per game. We saw talking about what they did in Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference play. But I think that defense has to be on. Uh, but if, 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 if it's not, I think that this one, I think you got a Jackson State 24-3, to 24-7 uh, to 
uh, type of game. Um, I think that this game has to get – South Carolina State has to make it ugly. And Shaq Davis, he looks the part. He looks the part. He looks like Tarzan. He can't play like James weekend. He can't play like James weekend. Shaq Davis, for, for everything that he is, he is an impressive young man when you look at it. And he makes some plays sometimes where you're like, wow, that is a Sunday play. Uh, that's a Sunday play receiver. He has a propensity to disappear sometimes in that offense. All right. When you look at, at Shaq Davis and you wonder why he ain't first team all me at, you go and look at the numbers, that's why. He don't show up all the time. He's going to have to show up Saturday. He's going to have to show up Saturday to give his football team a chance. Uh, but if he doesn't show up and they can't block uh, James Houston, it's going to be a long, long, long. It's, it's going to be a rainy night in Georgia, and it's going to be noon. Kickoff. Right? In the dome. Rainy yeah. night in, in the, the dome. dome. In the dome. <laughs> man. But, yeah, man, I, I, like I say, I, I think that, you know, uh, South Carolina State, man, protect the football. Can't turn it over. They're going to have to turn over Jackson State. Going to have to block James Houston. And then you got to find a way. Corey Fields is going to have to get it done with his arm as well as his feet. Because one thing that, that Jackson State is kind of susceptible to is quarterbacks that can do both. Uh, if, if he, he and, and, and Corey Fields can make the big run. He's going to have to make the, the big run. Uh, you know, get 10, 12 yards per scramble um, if it's possible. Being smart enough to get down uh, because Jackson State will, you know, break the ball out of there. Um, and then defensively, this South Carolina State defense, they, they have to come to, to bring it. Kobe Durant, he's a, he's a Sunday corner. I've been telling people, oh, yeah, he's a Sunday corner. He's going to have to show it on Saturday. Uh, he's he's going to have to show it uh, on on Saturday. Zafira Kelly, he's going to have to show it. First team on me at, he's going to have to show it. Chad Gilchrist, first team uh, linebacker, go have to show it. Go have to show it. BJ Davis, all coverage linebacker, go have to show it. Um, the young man up front, uh, Jablonski Green, the good tackle, he got to show it. That all coverage group that they got on that defense side of the football, they're going to have to show it um, to give that offense some chances uh, on, on Saturday to win this ball game. Um, and like I said, they're going to have to turn over Jackson State. And no ands, ifs, and buts about it. And also the special teams. If you can block a punt or get a big punt return, huge. Exactly. Huge. Exactly. Now, th- this last thing that I'm going to throw out, and it's about two, three things, but they all go together, BJ. All right. Jackson State, excuse me, South Carolina State is going to have to run the ball. They averaged about 125 yards on the ground. That's going to have to be plus 150 or plus in this particular ball game. If that's 150 or plus, that's going to lead to the next thing that I'm going to talk about, which is going to be third down conversions. They're going to have to put themselves in third and three or less uh, in order to be successful against uh, Jackson State because South Carolina State is, I believe, convert only 27% of their third downs. No, 31% of their third downs. So they, they've got to get up to whether – in the high 40s on third downs. One way you get into the high 40s and into the 50s is when you're in third and three or shorter. So if they're, if they're successful running the ball, get, getting into third and short, that's going to lead to the third thing 
that that you're gonna that you're gonna be able to look at to see if South Carolina State wins that game, and it's gonna come. That's gonna give them time of possession. If time of possession is uh, 32 minutes, 33 minutes in favor of South Carolina State, you might look up and see South Carolina State with one more point in Jackson State. Yeah, and, and like I said, that South Carolina State has the ability to do it. Um, you you got to make it all come together. And, and I wonder, well, Corey Fields, we saw him banged up towards the end of the year. Uh, but if he says it wasn't anything, you know, serious to be worried about, uh, they get the four weeks off. Um, they've been preparing for this ball game uh, for for the last couple of weeks. We South Carolina State has a little bit of advantage there um, of, of of preparing for Jackson State while Jackson State was preparing for Prairie View um, and having to get you know through that SWAC championship uh, ball game. So I think that there's an advantage for South Carolina State. Um, like I said, those guys are they're well rested. Uh, they are well rested, and we'll see uh, really late in that ball game uh, how did that rest really benefit them, or that did that turn into to rust? I think you'll see rust the, the first fifteen minutes, uh, but as the game goes along, if, if, if it's still competitive, uh, you'll really see uh, how much that rest really benefited South Carolina State. Yeah. All right. Um... You gonna take a break or we gonna keep going with this? Cause we passed the quarter. Oh man, we passed the quarter, man. Uh, let's go, man. Let's take a quick break, man. On the other side, we'll talk about new faces and new places across the HBCU landscape, man. It's your boy BJ Jones, AD Drew. We'll take you inside HBCU football right here on the Black College Sports Network. Troy, you work here? I'm never not working. Like head and shoulder scalp shield technology, up to 100% dandruff protection, even between washes. Never not working. <laughs> never not working. Never ever not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield. Never not working. HBCU football, got my man A.D. Drew, got my man Roy doing the driving back in the digital dungeon in the studio, Roy getting it done. Um, A.D. Drew, we broke down the Celebration Bowl, but uh, another thing happened, and that happens every year um, around about this time, is as you start the coaching uh, carousel um, around the HBCU uh, football landscape. And the last that I looked, uh, there were, I think there are 10, there were 10 openings um, in HBCU football as far as the uh, coaching 
potentially 11, depending on what your alma mater does down in Macon County, um, potentially. But um, we've, we've seen some of these seats get filled. Uh, Eric Dooley leaves Prairie View, goes to Southern University. Uh, Grambling State goes with Hugh Jackson. Alabama State uh, picks up uh, Eddie Robinson, one of the greats from that 91 national championship team, SWAT championship team uh, that was coached by Houston Markham. Um, so now we still got Prairie View in the Southwestern Athletic Conference. That job's still open. Out of the coaching hires that we've had so far, has any one of those jumped out to you? Has any one of, one of those made you go, hmm? Um, how do you feel about the hires we've had so far? I got to get the Eric Dooley one. The how can I put it? The should you should have seen it coming award. That's what I'm gonna call the Eric Dooley hiring. All right. Let's back this up to last spring. Dawson Odoms, Lee Southern, goes to Norfolk. Because of the timing with the shortened season, uh, because of COVID and the spring season, <laughs> Southern does not have an opportunity to really do a search because they've got to get they've got to get in and get to recruiting. So they go with the interim. Eric Dooley, who's on the last year of his contract. At Prairie View, and and let's be real, he could have signed that contract. He he had he was offered what like Prairie View did not offer him a contract extension, but like Kirk Cousins, like Joe Flacco in the league, he bet on himself. Eric Dooley went into this last year this contract, knowing that if he had a decent season at Prairie View. With the landscape of things at, at Southern, he may get that opportunity to go back home, and he bet on himself. Had more power to him for using that leverage to do to do what he did, and he had that decent season. He had more than a decent season. He had an excellent season, especially uh, especially for Prairie View. Then, talk about betting on yourself at it at it uh, going good. His alma mater winds up having to open it. Also, yes, he's from New Orleans. He coached at uh, he coached at Southern, but he also coached and played at Grambling. And he was he was a coach at Grambling when they won the their last national championship. So now he bet on himself and really put him in the, in in the, in the mix. I can stay here where I'm at. I can go back to my alma mater, or I can go back to my hometown. Essentially, so talk about betting on yourself. You should have seen it coming. I'm just glad it worked out for Eric Dooley. I've never met Eric Dooley personally, but from what everyone has told me, including uh, people like you, uh, just had an interview with Mo Carter, uh, who who was there with uh, with Dooley. You know, the man is a class act. So I'm glad it worked out for him because you and I have both know we've seen this happen. People bet on themselves sometimes, and then they crap out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, you know, Eric Dooley, man, glad to have him back in the family, back at Southern University. You saw him and Pete Richardson uh, together and how happy that made Pete, man. They did something to me uh, just to see that. Uh, but, yeah, Hugh Jackson going to Grambling. Uh, Eddie Robinson, uh, of course, at Alabama State. And, that, and yeah, man, that, that's been an interesting hire. There's a lot of 
it, it, there's some unhappy hornets uh, out there. Um, so you hope everything works out for them. Preview. Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, those hornets are unhappy, but they may probably just be unhappy as those Tennessee State Tigers were hiring an entrepreneur as their head coach last year. And how did that turn out for you? Yeah, you got off to a rocky start, but you wound up having a decent season over there at Tennessee State. So let's not let's not jump to the conclusions yet. Just because the man was selling real estate before he did it, does not mean that the man don't know football and the man can't coach. The man get a bad opportunity to put his staff together. Hell, Kurt Warner was bagging groceries, and look at him now. He's in the Hall of Fame in the league. So mm-hmm. let, don't judge a person by what they were doing when you hired them. Yeah. Now, preview the last whack opening is is interesting. Interesting to see the names that's floated around for that job. Um, you know, some one publication put out that they were vetting uh, Kevin Sumlin, who's worked in that Texas A and M system. Preview part of that Texas A and M system. Uh, we know the love that they have for one KJ Black, office coordinator, Florida A and M. It's gonna be interesting to see what Preview does. But in the SIAC, you had Savannah State to lose their uh, head coach, Coach uh, Coach O'Quinn, leaves Queen. takes a position. You know, Coach Quinn takes a position, uh, Coach uh, Coach a position at Virginia Tech that leaves an opening at Savannah State. Clark Atlanta, uh, they still have not made a move uh, with the jobs in the SIAC. Uh, any read Central State? Forgot about Central State. Yes. Uh, with the jobs in the SIEC, any read on where these programs might go? No, I haven't he- uh, heard anything uh, out there. Uh, just... Obviously, they're not going to get those big splash hires like you're seeing in the SWAC uh, with, with, with the NFL guys. You're probably going to see probably more on the lines of the coordinators getting the opportunity to lead a team in the, uh, in the SIAC. Now, what you need to, what's going to be interesting to see whether these coordinators come from the HBCU sphere or they come from outside of HBCU to lead the, to lead these programs. And if I had to rank those, those three openings in the SIAC one, two, three, I would probably say the Savannah State job is probably the best job of the three, followed by Clark number two, just because of the market uh, that in. I mean, you're in that Atlanta market, but uh, so you have access to this talent here in the state of Georgia, where both you and I are at. But this, that's a, that's a Central State job is not a soft job either. You know, you've got a lot of talent up there at Ohio, Michigan, uh, Illinois, Indiana, up there that you that you can that you can recruit from for that central state job. But if I had to recommend order, Savannah State would be the best job, followed by Clark, followed by uh, Central State. And over in the uh, CIAA, we got Elizabeth City State. Um, you know, one Anthony Jones not uh, stepped down from that position. Winston-Salem State and Johnson C. Smith, um, all open positions. I know with Winston-Salem State, um, you can do some damage at Winston-Salem State. Um, you know, they, they've done some damage here in the last decade. It'll be interesting to, interesting to see where, where they go. 
Uh, there's a famous alumni that I hear a lot of Rams talking about uh, that they, they want to come back for that particular position. Um, it'll be like I said, it'll be interesting to see where Winston Salem State goes, and they kind of watch the next move there. If you had to rank those three jobs, and how would you rank those? Would you put Winston Salem State number one? Yeah, definitely. I would put Winston Salem State number one. Uh, probably Shaw will not excuse me, Shaw. Uh, this would probably come in at number three of, of the three jobs. And I know you're not a, a, a big a big basketball guy as you are a football guy, but you know what I find interesting about CIAA football compared to CIAA basketball? What you got? When you look at the standings in CIAA basketball, they are almost a mirror opposite of the standings in CIAA football. The teams that do good in CIAA football are the bottom dwellers in basketball, and the bottom dwellers in football tend to be the top teams in basketball. It seems like it goes like that almost every year in the CIAA. And shout out to one, one name I want to throw out here while we on these Division II uh, coaches. Somebody needs to look at – the one school in the NAIA where we compete at, at Quentin Morgan and see if he wants to move up from NAIA to division two, because any school that would hire that hires him, I think they're going to get a steal and get a diamond in the rough uh, when he gets to that division two level. You talk about diamonds in the rough, Damon Wilson. But he's Holy already shit. on a division two level. Yeah. Unfortunately, our FCS teams are overlooking this guy. Shoot. They overlook mm-hmm. Reginald Ruffin who I also think would be an excellent uh, guy on that uh, FCS level. Yes, sir. Both of those two. Uh, Damon Wilson, Bowie State, man, they, they, they're, they are my team of the year. Uh, what they've been able to accomplish, getting to the quarterfinals of Division II playoffs, um, the season that they had. And, and Damon Wilson, man, he, he got pulled a lot, but the scholarship's not able to pull – out-of-state kids. I think, I think he gets 28 out of the 36 or something like that. Uh, I don't even think it's that high. Uh, last, I, I, last I was told, they were around the 20 mark. Wow. Uh, so he's, he's getting it done. So, man, shout out to Bowie State um, and what they're able to do. Uh, Roger Ruffin, to me, is a, a, another bright star, uh, you know, in HBCU football. It's interesting to see the, the opportunities that he'll get moving forward. Well, folks, that's our time for tonight. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in, man. Uh, be sure that you check us out, man. Uh, Inside HBCU Football, right here on the Black College Sports Network. Uh, follow us, Facebook. Uh, also, uh, all social media, Twitter, uh, MyJBN. Um, my, MyJBN app, make sure that you download that app. Uh, wherever you get your applications, um, you can go. On that app, you can listen to us while you're driving around in your car. You ain't got to look at my ugly mug. You can just listen to me. Um, and and, and, and that, that'll make you feel good. Also, man, make sure on YouTube, uh, you, you're subscribing, giving that thumbs up, um, and showing us love, man. Shout out to Roy, uh, pressing the buttons back at home in the digital dungeon, making this thing go. And, man, make sure hey, if you can donate to the show, Make sure that you're able to do that, man. You want to keep the lights on in here, man. Keep those commercials flowing and all that other good stuff. As we bring you the best in HBCU sports right here on the Black College Sports Network. And uh, we out of here for the night. For myself and uh, AD Drew, we appreciate you. And we out of here.
Ahalo.